0: Hey, so I'm continuing our joy of being God series. I'm really enjoying this series, kind of looking at how much God just enjoys being God. Really, you know, we talk a lot about the wrathful God, but um, God's a happy God as well. He's a God of joy. He is. He is. He does have. You know, he is. A, he is a wrathful God, and he is. He's. He's a good father, so he has. He, he disciplines. Um, but he's a God of joy and he, he's a good father that loves his children. And it's been great to kind of look at freedom and diversity and kind of all the different topics we've been going through. Um, and just looking at how great God is. I've just loved it. I don't know what you think. I just love reflecting on the greatness and the joy of God and how joyful it is to be a, um, to be a follower of God and to be saved, isn't it? But to, I'm looking at, the topic I'm looking at today isn't one you'd normally associate with joy, really. Um, I'm looking at the joy of death. So not normally words you get together. You don't normally, when you hear death, think joy. Um, or kind of think in any way that that can be joyful. So I want, to, um, I want to just unpack it a little bit really and and look at where we can find joy in death. And, and kind of what, what death even means really um, in a kind of eternal perspective of it all. Because I think... We all view death in different ways, don't we? we we've, you may have all have had different experiences of death. You know, you might have only, I don't know, you might have recently lost someone really close to you, or um, you might never have lost someone, you might not have much experience of death at all. Um, so I realise for some people this will be really raw, um, or something people are working out, but I'm hoping we can just kind of go on this little journey with it together, and um, just see God in, in all his glory through something which can be seen as dark as death. Because um, death's really necessary, innit? There's, there's. Actually, we need death in life. Do you know, all things live and all things die. Like it, it's just a, it's just the way the world works. It is, it is just life that it all comes to an end. And actually, you think about where death is good. You think about fruit. Um, you know, for for a tree, say a tomato. They're not trees, are they? Like bushes, tomato plant, tomato plant, tomato plant to grow. Tomato has to drop off the fruit and it has to die. It has to rot and it has to die so the seeds inside can go into the ground. And then a new bush will come out um, or a plant, you know. It's new life will be born out of death there. And, you know, animals have to kill each other to eat, to, to live and to thrive. If you're a um, black widow spider, if you're a male one, you kind of... Um, I don't know if you say your life ends in a good way. It kind of ends with <laughs> impregnating the lady spider, but then you become the dinner of your children. So... Um, I don't know, view that how you will, <laughs> but that's a good way to go or not. But um, death is very necessary to bring life in a lot of cases. But I think we do live in a, in a time when death is greatly feared. Um, because I think we live generally in quite a secular society, a society that doesn't really have much faith. Um, I do anyway, living in, living in England, um, that doesn't really have much faith in anything. Death is just the end. So it's quite there's quite a lot of despair in the fact that when you, you know, if you don't believe in Jesus and he died and that's it, or if, or if someone you know has died, then you've lost them. So it's all about what you can do in this life. It's all about having as many relationships as you can. It's all about getting the most money that you can. It's all about living this life well and living it to the full and having the greatest job and kind of just stressing yourself out about how successful can I be and how great can I make my life? Because what legacy will I leave when I go? It's what it all becomes about. Um, you know, I've, I've been to um, a couple of funerals growing up, and um, I think the youngest one I went to, I was about 12. So I've been to both Christian and non-Christian funerals. And have you ever been to a non-Christian funeral, um, like where well, there isn't any faith? Man, it's, 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 it's sad. I think it's sad on my side, because I, I know they aren't saved. Um, so it's a kind of real desperateness. Um, but in a family as well, like, and kind of everyone else, there's no hope in where they've gone. It's just loss. They've just gone. And that's the end of it. And that's so hard, especially if the a person was younger, maybe, as well. And you just, it's just over. It's just it. And um, it's quite, <laughs> it's quite difficult. But I've been to a lot of Christian funerals as well. The earliest one I went to, they're completely different. The earliest one I went to was um, my granddad's when I was 12. And my um, well, granddad was an elder here at the church, at Everyday Church, Wimbledon. He was an elder and um, he um, he was a great man, just loved Jesus, um, loved people. He just pastored people. His home was home was always open to anyone. He'd go all around the world, visit these different tribes as well in Indonesia and stuff with my nan and just loved people, genuinely um, did and just loved Jesus. And at his funeral, man, it was just, story. it was really sad because we missed him and he, you know, he died of cancer. He was 64, so he was not that old. Um, like you know, as you can as you can go. And um, so it was sad because we really missed him. But you're just hearing story after story about how well he lived his life, how the big impact he had. He had letters. we were reading out letters from all over the world of people were talking about the impact he had. And Kind of how he'd pastored people through, and he was just a good representative of God. And think, he thought, man, they lived so well. Like the joy that there was in celebrating his life. It was the same for my other granddad as well. Like he, um, for him even, there was release in death. I think. Well, for both really, because they both were ill. And my other granddad had dementia, and. Um, And Parkinson had kind of gone in his mind a little bit. And actually, by the end, it was kind of like you were willing God to bring him home. He was a man that loved Jesus and had lived his life serving him. At that point, you're thinking, God, let him enjoy the reward now and the treasures. And kind of, when he was, so when he was gone, there was that kind of sending off, there was that joy, there was that kind of, oh man... He's with Jesus now and we got to celebrate in his life. We missed him. It was hard. We do. And I do still miss both of them. But again, there was that just hearing story after story about how this man lived for God and he lived well. And there was such hope because I know I'll see him again. I know I'm going to see him in heaven. But what about when it's someone younger? I think, um, you know, you can say, well, they're older. They kind of lived their life. And we know that when we get older, we die. Um, But what about when it's someone younger? I think one of the hardest funerals I was involved in um, was I mean, of a girl in our youth. I lead a lot of our youth staff for the church, and um, oh man, this, she was 15, and she just suddenly died. She had an allergic reaction to something, completely unexpected, and she died. And it was devastating. It was devastating. We was, it was so hard to work out and to process. So where's God in this? You know, this young girl, lovely girl, really popular, and um, just suddenly died. It was so hard. But Man, we, we got to hear at her funeral, her best mate was sharing about how only a year or two before at this big Christian festival, New Day, she'd gave her life to Jesus and wanted to follow her. And she'd started, we'd, we'd see her at church all the time, she'd start bringing her family. She would come to our youth group, but start bringing her, her mum and her brother to church on Sundays as well. And they were getting to know us and getting to know God through this. And um, do you know when she died, you think, God, they would have had every excuse to be so angry with God, her parents. And could have turned away. Why would you allow this, God? But actually, tonight I saw her dad at a funeral talk about, and her dad, he would say he wasn't a Christian beforehand. I didn't have a faith in Jesus. But um, just watching him profess the love of God, like, and how good God is. Like, this guy, he's only just really started taking an interest in God because of his daughter dying, because of seeing, he described seeing angels over her body. He was amazing, really. Um, and... Oh man, and just seeing him now, this guy loves Jesus <laughs> through the death of his daughter. So it's such a hard thing, but one, we have hope because we know where she's gone, so we know we'll see her again. And the, just the joy and the, the joy she brought through her life, and then even the joy she's brought through her death, just in people's lives have been saved because she died, like I'm not talking physically, but spiritually. You know, her dad and her brother. And her mum got baptised since as well. You know? And there's other people that have been so impacted since what's happened. You think, man, she might have gone from this earth, but she's, she's in, in heaven. And there are so many people that are now going to join her in heaven because of the life she lived and, and, and when she died. God uses everything for his glory. I can honestly tell you I don't fear death can seem a weird thing to say. It doesn't mean I'm reckless. We're not supposed to be reckless of our lives. I ain't going to jump out of a plane without a parachute um, just for the sure fill of it. Um, but I don't fear death because I know what I'm saved from. And I want to look at, there's a passage in the New Testament, um, a, little, a letter, a book called Colossians. It's a letter that Paul wrote. And Paul, I love Paul because Paul's a guy who just, Got death, like he just wasn't fussed about where he knew what was. You know, he wrote this letter. We're about to read this letter from Colossians. He wrote this from prison. Yeah, the guy had been arrested. He doesn't know if he's about to be killed. He got persecuted so much for preaching the gospel, but he did it anyway. He just loved Jesus, and he he would say. It says in Philippians one twenty one, another letter he wrote. It says, "For me to live is Christ." His whole life was for Christ, and to die is gain. He knows. Look, if I'm going to go any minute, brilliant. I'll be with God. But if I'm not going to go, then I'm going to keep sharing the gospel. It talks about all these people getting, all the kind of guards getting saved that were guarding him in the prison in Rome. Um, and he writes these amazing letters to the churches he's so fond of. And there's this one, um, he writes to the church in um, Colossus, or well, the Colossians he writes to anyway. I, I can't remember the name of the place that um, that's based at. But he, he, they seem to be a church that's kind of forgotten who Jesus is. And um, they kind of brought him down that he's just, Maybe he was just a man or just a good teacher. You know, the same stuff we hear now, actually. Maybe he was just a good teacher with good morals. Um, And Paul just, just this one little passage, he's just like, you need to know who Jesus is. This is massive. You need to know the impact of who he is. And chapter one, the very first chapter, about verse 15 is where I'm going to read from. It's headed the supremacy of the Son of God. And let's read this together. This is Paul just telling him, let me tell you exactly who Jesus is and why you don't need to pursue anything else in this life, and you don't even need to be fearful of death. Of death. The supremacy of the Son of God. Verse 15, it says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created created. Through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You can't just call him a good teacher after that. Like Paul is just putting it straight out there. He wasn't just a man, the fullness of God dwelled in him. Which it says in this bit, I think. It says, And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwelling in him. That's the bit I was mentioning. So it's like, he's just saying, this wasn't just a carpenter from Nazareth. The fullness of God dwelt in him. He was God. He was human, but fully God. Man, you can't just call him a good teacher. And through him, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God, he's talking about once you weren't, before you were a Christian and believed in Jesus, you were God's enemy. You were enemies in your mind because of your evil behaviour. And now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, he's pleading with him here. Stick to the message you've heard, guys. He's real. Jesus is God. And he's the only way to to heaven. Man, the, the reason I don't fear death is because I know what I've been saved from. Do you know? If Jesus was just a good teacher, if he just said nice things, I'm stuffed, I'm going to hell we're all going to hell. Do you understand that? If Jesus was just a good teacher and nothing more, who came and he said some nice words, we're stuffed. We're going to hell. Because you read the Old Testament and you read books like Leviticus and Deuteronomy and you you kind of read um, what God has said, this is what you need to do to be able to Kind of come back from sin to be able to work your way to forgiveness and to repentance, you realise I can't do all of that. I can't do all of that. Even the Ten Commandments you read kind of Matthew 5 or sorry, Matthew 7 to kind of um, I think Matthew 5 to Matthew 7, the Sermon on the Mound um, Jesus just lays out the, the Ten Commandments and just shows you, you can't follow these it's impossible, we are sinners God is so holy, he's so holy and pure and perfect and the kingdom of God, His kingdom, does cannot take in sin. Sin. That's why people had to be Adam and Eve had to be cast out of the Garden of Eden because God is just so righteous and so pure that sin cannot enter the kingdom of God. The gates are shut to sin. So we're stuffed. We are. we, we cannot be saved by following the law. We need a savior. We need it. So Jesus cannot just be a good teacher because if he is, we have no hope. But Paul is telling us here exactly who Jesus is, exactly who Jesus is. The fullness of God dwells in him. He has the supremacy, man, and he came and died for you. Do you know, he didn't come to rule over this earth as a a mighty king or a mighty general. He came as a humble servant to wash people's feet and to die for you and me, in the most humiliating, horrible way. Because God desired a relationship so much that he didn't want the punishment of sin and death to be hung over us. He gave us the choice. He said, here you go. Here's your freedom. Here's your salvation. Will you take it? But it's up to you, isn't it? (laughs) He does give us freedom. Preached recently on um, the joy of freedom, didn't we? And We have got freedom, you know, to do whatever we want. You don't have to follow Jesus. You don't have to accept this free gift of salvation. But man, I don't want to be fully judged for my sin. I've done so much wrong and still do, always get it wrong. I need Jesus. And I just have such hope in knowing that on the day when I stand before God and he's got the book of life there and kind of all my, everything I've ever done, instead of reading all of that, he's going to look at Jesus because all of that's been nailed to the cross. All of my sin. He's going to just look to Jesus and go look at his pure life. That was your life. Man, he's not just forgiven me, he's justified me. My sin's been taken away. It's as if I've never sinned. He actually calls us Righteous. We are actually called righteous. Man. That's amazing. Amazing love of God. So I don't have to fear death because I'm righteous because of Jesus, and so are you. But I tell you, the one thing I do fear, the one thing I desperately fear, is those that aren't going my friends and family that don't know Jesus, that don't have this hope. Like I know if they die tomorrow, I don't know where they'll go. If they don't accept Jesus, well, Jesus tells us where they'll go. They'll go to hell. And I don't want that for them. I love them. I love them. I love my friends. So I love the stranger on the street. you know that? But I love my friends and family even more so. Man, I want them to know about Jesus. So I have to make the decision. Do What does this mean for me? So I'm saved. Great. Now, do I live my comfort life while saved? Do I, do I continue pursuing you know, all the things for this earth? Do I continue building a nice kind of home for my family? Do I continue working to have lots of money so that we're comfortable and can have nice holidays? Do I continue to have, you know, I want a good phone, I like all that. Do I want to have a nice car? Do I want to have um, you know, a great career, people that think great things of me? Or do I want to see people saved? Now, I'm not, none of the things I've listed off are bad, necessarily. Please don't hear me wrong. But if they're what I'm storing my treasure up in, even my relationship, do you know that? My, I love my wife and I love my son so much. But I love God more than them. And they need me to do that. I need to pursue God even more than I pursue my wife. Do you know that? And I'll be a far greater husband if I do. That's why I read the Bible loads. Do you know? I'm not like a, I'm not a scholar or, or you know, a great kind of, I've not done a big theological course or anything like that. I've got this stuff by just reading the Bible. I love Jesus and kind of bits like this because I just read it. Because I want him more than I want anything of this earth. And by that, I'm a better person. I'm a better Christian. The fruit of the Spirit is in me. The Spirit lives in me. Do you know, I'm fruitful. My wife then loves Jesus. I'm able to lead her in that. I'm hoping my son, as he grows up, will grow to love Jesus. And my friends see my passion of God. I was out with. Um, Some mates I used to uh, work with the other day, I went to a pub with them, Um, because I think this is the thing as well, yeah, when we think of evangelism, you can immediately shut off and be terrified about it, but you know, um, I think we overcomplicate it. It's so easy to share the gospel, it is, and it might might be easy for me to say, I am an extrovert and I'm a bit of gifted a gab, I love talking, you know, and I'll talk about anything I'm passionate about, but... I talk about this because I just think, man, I, I, wanna, I just want to keep telling people about Jesus. I want to get, when I get to heaven, I want to know that all these people, um, I want to see people I knew on earth in heaven as well. I just want to see them. I think, yes, you came. You believed in it. Brilliant. I'm desperate for that. And um, I was just out with some mates and I used to be, so they knew me at my worst. When I was a, They knew me when I was young. I was a mechanic. I weren't a Christian. I was I was a mess, yeah, and here I am, with five, six years later, going for a beer, a catch-up, and man, I just, I didn't know what to expect. I do always go seek him. I think this is something as well. I always, and any time I'm going to meet up with people, I pray, and I say, God, will you give me an opportunity? And that you've got to be fearless for that. You've got to, God will give you courage, do you know that? Pray for courage and boldness, and it's, God, will you give me an opportunity to share the gospel? Because I, I don't want to preach at people. That's what now's for. I've been asked to preach now, I'm going to preach now. Yeah, I've been given half an hour to do that. So I'm going to take this half an hour. But I haven't got that with my friends. They don't want to sit there at the pub and me to preach at them for half an hour. It's not that they've come for. But God can create opportunities. I say, God, give me an opportunity. Help it come up. And man, I got to pastor them. There were some situations going on in different areas of their lives that they kind of just ended up chatting about. I was able to give them wisdom. It was all godly wisdom, man. It weren't anything that came from me, I tell you. And I was just able to pastor into their lives. And by the end there, they're just like... Dan, this is so different. You are so different from when you were first there. What's changed? And I was able to tell them a bit about all God's done in my life. The fact they're going, like, where's this wisdom from? I said, the Bible. <laughs> you know, I was like, it's just the Bible. Honestly, it's from God. Like, this is, the Bible ain't what you think it is. Like, it's, it's amazing. There's so much truth in there and so much wisdom, um, whatever you believe, you know. And... I mean, none of them got saved in and there, but there's, but there's steps, you know. I think I could invite them now to something. I think that I'm going to try and invite them to like carol service, things like that. There's, there's, you go next steps, it. i just got to share the gospel, and you don't know what God's going to do later on for them as well. Um, even, do you know, when I get my hair cut, I always share the gospel at the barbers. Barbers, like hairdressers, they love chatting, don't they? It's their job, really, to have a chat with you. And so you've got them there, and they're cutting your hair. They can't go away halfway through haircuts. I'm professional, yeah? So I tell them about Jesus. I've got the advantage that it's my job, so I can say, they say, what do you do for work? And I'm like, I'm a pastor. And like, you're a bit young to be a pastor, isn't it, all the time. Or you don't look like a Christian is the one I always get. You don't look like you should be a Christian. I don't know why. <laughs> it's obviously something I've got to take there. But um, I think they've just got a perception of what a Christian is. And therefore, when we... Um, do you know, all of us, we, we're just normal people, aren't we? Christians, we're just normal people. And I think people get thrown by that, because why would a normal person believe in God? So, I suppose my example is, I'm, ju- I'm just trying to say, we, there's so much opportunity to tell people about Jesus, there is, and it doesn't have to be complicated. I heard, um, do you know, we've got this, this amazing evangelist as part of Everyday Wimbledon, a guy called Adrian Holloway. Um, he preaches all over the country, and he's um he's what I call a reaper. Yeah, you have reaper and you have sowers. Yeah, it's like a farming term, and it's used in the Bible. Sower's the one who sows the seed, and a reaper reaps the harvest. So let go and collect it. Yeah, not all of us will get, will see a lot of people saved, but we might sow a lot of seeds because we tell a lot of people about Jesus. And seeds grow. You know, you look at the size of an oak tree. The little seed, an acorn, is a tiny little thing, but it grows this massive, massive tree. Seeds grow. And Adrian, um, he goes all around the country and he sees loads of people saved every time he preaches. Yeah, he just gets the root. The harvest is plentiful and he just gives them the gospel and they hear it. And he was telling us a bit recently about all the carol services he's going to go and do. And I always think as well, the fact that he sees so many people saved at the carol services, you can go, he's an amazing speaker, but also they've been invited. People are there because someone has said, someone has sown into their life. They've lived them, they've shown them they love Jesus, and they've said, hey, look, we have got carol service coming up, everyone loves carols, don't they? He's just saying, why don't you come along to my carol service? And they're open, they're ready, and then they just hear the gospel and God nails them. And that's it, they give their life. And he was telling a story about this service he's going to do in um, Reading, a town um, in England. And um, he... It's like an office block, and basically it's two guys that are the only two Christians in a whole office block, yeah? And they just had a real heart for the gospel to come to their office. They want to see revival, and they basically begged their um, HR department to their human resources to, to um, let them do a carol service. They really wanted to do and they said, we'll lead it, we'll run it, it's a nice carol service, can we do that? And they said, yes, and they thought, all right, who's a great evangelist? Let's ask Adrian, and Adrian said, yes, you'll come. And they've got 100 people signed up. And You think the faith of that man? They've just set up this thing, and imagine all hundred get saved. Like that, don't look like revival coming in your office block, wouldn't it? So, my last job when I was after I became a mechanic, I got in sales for a bit for a company. I worked in a like a big open plan office, and I used to walk to work, and every day on my walk to work, I would pray, kind of Ephesians six, armour of God, because. I knew there was going to be temptations and kind of difficulty, and I thought I want to I stand firm with you, Lord, but I want to share the gospel, Lord. Will you give me opportunities? Will you let me speak about you today? And will you, will you give me someone that I can tell? And man, every day, I promise you, every day I prayed that prayer, I got to share the gospel. I, you know, if I was making a cup of tea, someone would come over, How's your weekend? Oh, it was really good. What did you get up to? I went to church. Bom. Oh, you're a Christian. I didn't realise were a Christian. You don't seem like a Christian. I tell them about Jesus. I made a real commitment to read my Bible at my desk at lunch. I always said, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to read my Bible. Um, and actually, I didn't get much Bible reading done because people would always be so curious. I've got the Bible open and they're thinking, you actually read it. So this isn't just like you just say you're a Christian. You actually read your Bible. And they would think it was really weird. Um, but I got to tell them about what I was reading and they would have so many questions about God and it would be so open and it would be chat, be chat, we chat. Oh, it's amazing. I remember there was this one girl I worked opposite and she was, um, she was a lesbian and had really had just a hard time from church. What she knew of church was judgment, condemnation, hatred. And um, man, I just, I just really loved her. And we used to chat a lot about um, the Bible and stuff like that because she had a brief upgrowing of it. And just before she left, you know, and I got to tell her how you know Jesus loves you. Just, just what I got to tell her. I tell her, sin is sin, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, we're all a sinner, we all fall short, but Jesus loves you. That was my only message for her. And just before she left, she told me she had bought a Bible and just started reading it. I don't know where that's going to go, because I don't, you know, she, she had left. But man, seeds were being sown, and I really pray that something will continue to grow there. I'm just trying to say that it's easier than we make it out. I desperately want the people in my life to know Jesus. I don't want them to die. I just think, man, I can't imagine being at their funeral if they died and I hadn't told them about God. I, feel, I just think, what a waste. What a waste of a friendship. Do you know, God could call me home tomorrow. He could. He could come and end this all now. He really could. He could just come back, and one day he will, and that'll be it. But he hasn't yet. And it's because there's people he still wants to save. There's loads of parables Jesus used about that in the Bible. There's people he still wants to save. And the reason I haven't dropped dead (laughs) yet is because there's people he still wants me to to share the gospel with. There's people in my life he's used me for. He's got purpose. And do you know he's got purpose for you? He really has. Whatever the world's told you, whatever your kind of perception of yourself, whether you think you're not pretty enough, or you're not handsome enough, or you're not muscular enough, or you're not thin enough, or... Do you know, you're haven't got. you not popular enough. You haven't got the greatest charisma. Mate, Jesus loves you. And the fact that he's revealed himself to you shows you how much he loves you. And he's called you, you, personally you, because there are great gifts that he wants to use you for, for the kingdom of God. Because there will be a day when you will stand before him and he'll be able to say, look how you used the gifts I gave you. Look how you used them. Man. What do we do with this? There's loads more I could say on this. There's loads more. I think, look at the life of Joseph and Daniel. I just, I'd say that. I haven't got time to go in about them. But they were two guys that had all the promises set before them. Joseph and Daniel in the Old Bible. Joseph you can read about in Genesis. And Daniel is the book of Daniel. Two guys with great promises set before them. Who really had to choose God over position and opportunity and they were promised really high positions yeah and had opportunity to get it if they just renounced god but they refused to 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 worship other gods and both were thrown into kind of prison they were given real hardship but god raised both of them up to really successful positions at the end great influence and authority because they stood the test of time when hardship came and they could have easily walked away from god they stood by god And God gave them influence and gave them weight. And man, they were really influential about the big rulers of the time. They had the greatest influence, both of them, separate times. One in the Babylonian Empire and one in the Egyptian Empire. Man, God loves to use people who stand by him. You know that? Do you know? I'm not fearful of death. I want God to use me. I'm fearful of wasting this life God has given me. That's what I'm fearful of. I I don't want to waste it in not telling people about Jesus and just running after things I can't even take to heaven with me. you know, I can take people to heaven with me. I can't take my iPhone. Let me read this, yeah, because it'd be good to um, finish in praising God, yeah? you know, we want to go and tell people about Jesus. That's what we want to do. But we also want to praise God because he saved us and we don't have to fear death. And there's great, great reason to rejoice. And I think David, in the Old Testament, King David, he wrote a couple of Psalms. And Psalm 103 is just the best way to respond to a message like this. It says... Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives your sins, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. It's a good point, you know. People always ask, why does God allow suffering? Why doesn't he just heal someone on earth? He will heal you. It just might not be in this life. Do you know that? He will, you will spend eternity in heaven where there's no sickness, no disease, no anything because he will bring everything back to the way it's supposed to be. God does love you, and that's why he died for you. He may not heal you in this life, but you will be healed. David's rejoicing him for that. Who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us, our sins from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass, they flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone, and its place remembers it no more. How fragile life is, is what he's saying. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is for those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all praise the lord you angels you mighty ones who do his bidding who obey his word praise the lord all his heavenly hosts and his servants who do his will praise the lord all his works everywhere in his dominion praise the lord my soul let me pray lord jesus we give you all glory lord We give you all glory. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the fact that you would come and save a wrench like me, you'd come and save such a sinner like me, just shows how much you really do love me. And you love us, Lord. Anyone that hears this, that has accepted Jesus, or even that accepts Jesus right now, Lord, that calls on your name and repents, Lord, you say, you say that's it. We're forgiven and free. We no longer fear death. You say that's it. My cross is enough. There's no work you need to do. That's what you say, Lord. How great is that gift, Lord Jesus? Lord, I just pray for us as we, as we go on with our, with our weeks, with our lives, Lord Jesus, Lord, that you spur us to share the gospel. You give us great courage, Lord. You give us great opportunities. You give us great fruit out of it, Lord Jesus. Lord, and I pray that we see many, many, many come to know you, Lord Jesus, and join us in the kingdom of heaven one day. Lord, bless us, equip us, and strengthen us for this. In Jesus' name, amen.